0: All right, so this is the About Violence podcast, and today I have my longtime friend, Vince Rocco Vargas, (laughs) Um, and uh, what we also have is this book, Borderline. Um, We're going to break down Rocco's amazing story, and uh, we're going to get into a ton of details about what this book is, which is... The most amazing men and women that are fighting at the front lines, defending America, and that is our American Border Patrol. And uh, Vince has, Mr. Rodriguez, or uh, Vargas here has an amazing perspective on that, having served there himself. Yes, sir. All right. Background. We got famous Mayan <laughs> MC actor. We have TV star from Range 15. We have Entrepreneur from Article 15 with uh, Matt Best and Jared Taylor. We have uh, a 75th Ranger Regiment stud. We have <laughs> a Border Patrol heart, uh Heart on his sleeve civil servant. Um, we have a young man that was born in Southern California in Los Angeles that made his way to the military, and then from that point on has, in my opinion, dedicated his life to service. Yes, sir. Um, mm. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. So let's let's go all the way back. Yeah. Home life, California, mm-hmm. the journey to. The military, lot lots of different roads can take you there. Mm -hmm. What brought you to the amazing seventy fifth Ranger Regiment?
1: Yeah, I was um, playing college baseball and I I lost the full ride scholarship. I was in Kentucky at the time at a school called Brushy University, and um, you know, being someone who's dyslexic and struggled with reading. Uh, and and also being really good at baseball for a long time, I kind of slid through the cracks, yeah. as as you will. But when you finally get to a college that that keeps you know accountability, uh, yeah, I lost my scholarship. So uh, at that time, it was probably like two thousand three. I lost my full ride. Wasn't able to pay for college. Tried out for a couple of independent pro teams. Kept getting cut. Uh, I was more focused on drinking and partying than I was baseball. Yeah. Uh, I had a daughter who was born, and who is stunning, by the way. Thank you. Yeah she's a she's a oh, stud. She's a cool yeah. kid, um, and. I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. It was that time in my life to be a dad. And I've never had a problem with being a father. I just wasn't sure. I was kind of upset that it, I was making a lot of weird choices that led me to this position of like, I'm a father, but I have no money for my kid. Yeah, And so... As the war was going on, um, I watched it on the news and kind of felt, like, compelled to, like, let's go serve. And so if I was going to do it, let's try and do the hardest fucking thing I could imagine. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I scored a 108 on the GT score. Uh, there was no two-point wa- waiver for Special Forces, which I was hoping to do. Uh, they gave me an option 40 contract, so I went Ranger. Badass. Um, where were you on nine eleven? Uh, I was waking up on my way to college. I was at a junior college at the time, so I remember waking up, uh, I already had my backpack on, took my shower and all that stuff, had my backpack on and if I was leaving the room, my mom said, Vinny, come here and you hear the, the panic in her in yeah. her voice and I went to her room and I watched the second. Yeah. And she kind of made a little bit of a scream and I was like I remember that. And I was like, Where's Dad? She was he's at work. My dad was an LA City firefighter. Wow. And I was like, shit And so then we called my dad, like, What's going on? He explained and I was like damn and I was like do I need to go to strike should I go to school or not I don't even know what to do at the time you know you're 19 at this time yeah I was like 19 20 years old yeah and uh I was like shit what the hell does this even mean and you know it it didn't you know I I was so far removed from anything outside of the world besides baseball that I didn't think of a terrorist attack I just Mm -hmm. thought like what a weird accident like that's two planes then I was like oh fuck this is like an attack and that's where you started to think like Is this going to happen everywhere around us? You know, and so I ended up going to school uh, because it was baseball, anyways. Right, I was focusing on that, and you started to see the gravity of that moment and how it affected everyone. Uh, I think for the next few weeks, you started to see a lot of patriotism in 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 America. You started seeing the flags and the support, um, and it was it was an interesting time. I I definitely felt compelled. Like, do I need to go serve right now? Mm -hmm. Uh, But baseball was the dream, and I was going to just kind of sit
0: back and see what was happening. Yeah. And uh, so, so many similarities, you know, California kid, um, 9-11 in college and, uh, you know, a fighter at the time wanting to be a world champion and the exact same struggles and watching the, you know, patriotism and the American spirit, uh, the, this warrior, call us any anything, all the names that you want, but what we also are, are warriors, you know, we'll climb cliffs, we'll storm beaches, you know, like we're going to be the first ones to jump out of an airplane to go and, you know, Take some scalps of people killing some Jews. You know, like we're going to put an end to the Holocaust. Like that's that's who we are, yeah. and um, and it's badass to see men that stepped up to do it. Yeah. Um. So that's 2001. We fast forward three years, yeah. and um, scholarships going away. You get an option forty contract. So you got a few ways to get to Ranger Regiment right. for for people that are curious about what is ranger regiment and how do we get there first what is 75th ranger regiment
1: uh it's a special operations unit uh that is focused in you know uh you know i guess the history is is jumping out of airplanes and securing airfields right you know yeah. we used to be that a big, was the origin yeah the origin yeah. right but
0: what are we now we are a
1: fighting force a dynamic yeah. fighting force you know known for raids and assaults and that's what we did my whole time there yeah, yeah.
0: So raid, raids and assault, kill capture missions. Yeah, right, yeah, we got a yeah, we yeah, got a yeah. bad targets. dude in a place. We are going to send in a special operations raid team, which are a bunch of stud killers okay. that are organized in a proper infantry fashion. Yeah. That are the most disciplined infantry unit on the planet. I agree. So. Um, I'm not using infantry demeaningly. I'm using it in the best way possible because these are fighting soldiers that serve no other purpose besides being the most lethal fighting force on the planet. Absolutely. Insert 75th Ranger Regiment. Yeah, you're raised
1: in a culture that is about fighting.
0: Yeah. Navy SEALs, a lot of different missions there. Green Berets, a lot of different missions there. uh, SEAL teams, um, Delta Force, lots of different missions there. Ranger Regiment... Dude, we're there to do violence. Mission and attack. That's right. Yeah. Um,
1: Pretty freaking sick. It's fucking dope. It's dope to be raised in it because it's like, oh, fuck, I'm a believer of this shit. You know, and then when you start raising your own, I remember I was a fucking really aggressive, mean NCO that was kind of taught to do the same, and you're raising motherfuckers that cannot question anything you say but do what you say. Do what what your team leader does. Shoot what your team leader
0: shoots. Yeah. In this generation of variety of different beliefs, um, <laughs> from identity questions to, uh, you know, socioeconomic issues. Like there, there's, there's an excuse for everything Right there. There are no excuses for anything No. It, on the spectrum of how humans can behave. You said it, what your team leader is shooting at, you shoot at that. Yeah. What your squad leader is shooting at, you shoot at that, you know, and what your platoon leader tells you to do, you're going to fucking do. Yeah. There's no time to question anybody. Anyone, anyone above you says it, you do it. How do we do that in 2023?
1: I've I tried to do it with my own 15 year old and I'm like, he doesn't get it, yeah. you know? Like, I'm like, dude, if I say it, why question? Why, I don't wanna get it. Yeah. Cause if in combat you question me, like people die. Yeah, we're all dead, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah. So like, if I say do this, I'm curious to why you question me. And he's, this just my own son, yeah. you know? It's because the world has taught him that, man. And I'm like, no yeah. dude, try. I'm, I'm the motherfucker that's gonna guide you the right way yeah. or out of any motherfucker. <laughs> Listen to me, bro. Trust yeah. me, dog. I don't know. It's hard, man. It's hard being raised in that environment and then becoming a drill sergeant later and then going to like a different unit like PSYOP and being yeah. like,
0: oh, fuck. It's a whole different world Different, out different, out different culture, man. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I haven't spent a day outside of being an 18 series guy. Yeah. You know, like I have been a Green Beret, you know, from... A, uh, an E-4 when I enlisted <laughs> yeah. as an E-4 as a specialist to uh master sergeant promotable now as an 18 Zulu. Yeah. I don't know the rest of the army. Uh, and it's a different world. A different world, man. Um, the first
1: time I went to go teach at a, at a site, I, I went to site sci- for a while. Right. And uh, we're at a range, you know, I'm the range NCO and uh, I'm kind of checking people. They're zeroing their weapons. And I say, Hey, Hey, hey Private, what's your name? She said, Andrea. I was like, I looked at her I saw her name tags said, Martinez. I was like, did you just tell me your fucking first name? Yeah. She's like, yeah. I was like, what the fucking what the fuck you I do don't that? care yeah. what your name I is. Like, I don't fucking what the fuck? And I was blown away and I fucking almost lost it. And then she was like, hey, hey, so I was like, it's a little different here. I'm like, what the fuck you mean? There's not fucking AR670-1, there's not rules, rules, regulations, <laughs> not standards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I lost it. And eventually they, they were like, it's a little different here. I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I could take this. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh-huh. it didn't take long for me to be like this is not for me because yeah. I really enjoyed the structure of here's the rules, follow those and do it, you know? Yeah. And it was tough, man. It was tough to watch other people do that. Now, maybe in that career field, it works and that's cool. But for me, I was raised, such just a certain way that I, I, it's why I fit into the special operations community so well. It's like, I'm in, I've raised like that and I want to continue that. Yeah. Uh, I want to continue that upbringing because I
0: think it's valuable for the mission. Yeah. Ranger regiment, man, I have nothing but, the most exemplary things to say about them. I've never seen a single instance where I'm like, eh. Operationally, right? Yeah. Not a single instance in regiment where I'm like, eh. They are just extraordinary. Their selection's extraordinary. Their culture's extraordinary. Um, The number of Medal of Honor recipients they have is extraordinary unbelievable yeah. the number of silver stars and bronze stars with v's um, let's not even talk about the purple hearts a separate issue yeah. so gwat um, get to ranger regiment what what happens in this this first let's say 6 years of your career
1: yeah so i did 4
0: years at second ranger battalion and in those 4 years
1: i was deployed 3 times uh, twice afghanistan once iraq uh, it, to be honest in the four years I was home maybe 11 months because it was training in war training in war It yeah. was non-stop and it's what I fucking loved about it. It was just non-stop Like let's go take the fight to the enemy. Let's come back training become better and then go back and do it again
0: You're below your mind. It's I fu- want to bring you to Benning and I want you to bring I want to bring you to brag I want you to look at the number of combat patches that exist right now
1: I uh, dude I know this because I've gone to talk to just the Border Patrol alone in the Special Operations Border
0: Patrol I said "How many guys have been in combat? And it used to be every hand. Yes, right? no, exactly. Like when, when I didn't was know there, anybody. Yeah, when I was there, was everyone, every single person, somebody. The like, first ten years of war, yeah. from that 2003 to 2013, mm-hmm. everybody went, mm-hmm. and now it's like, yeah, dude, there was very few that was like, I was like, oh, it's a oh. whole different world now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I different. mean, I love war. Yeah, it's the worst thing that can possibly happen. I, I and agree. I can say that in the same breath.
1: It, the thing is, like, I'm proud of fucking doing what I did. I'm proud of my 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 service to the country. I'm proud of like doing the work overseas because I know for a fact that we made some impacts that that directly connected to saving lives here in the United States of America. So I'm proud of it. Huh. Uh, I don't wish it upon anyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Right. I don't want my kid to ever see war. Uh, right, exactly. You know, but like would I go back and try in time and would you go back in time and change anything?
1: No. Yeah. No, I'd probably stay longer. Yeah. I'd probably do active another four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. let, let's see what else is out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's the only thing I would say. I would say that I wish I, I would try my hand at several other things because that's how much I, I turned back looking like, fuck, what an exciting time in my life. Yeah, And it felt right. It felt, it felt, it felt I was honored to do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, most prestigious unit in combat arms. Yeah. You know, pretty freaking amazing. From military service, um, your off-ramp it was amazing. Um, and a lot of people are struggling right now with... Yeah transition from Mm -hmm. active service to civilian life um you know we're we're seeing a mental health and suicide i mean i don't know what else to call it besides like the worst thing i've ever seen in my life where like our brothers and sisters are struggling with how to survive in the civilian world and reconciling what they did in uniform for their country those are hard things yeah yours i'm not saying you didn't have hard days Cause I know you did, but like, you went in and got part of a, a gig, an amazing company that had this meteoric rise to fame. Mm-hmm. You know, with Article Fifteen. Yeah. Um, how, what was that like? Well, that
1: didn't happen until being in the Boulder Patrol for four years. You know what I mean? I got, I did, I did two years of prison guard, which was like right away. I was like, fuck this, don't want to yeah. do this. But it was the first thing I could do to keep the money on the table. I had kids. I at the time I had three. And had four, the fourth one was coming eventually, right? And so I just had to stay busy. Then I got into the Border Patrol, and then fast forward a couple of years, landed the hole with, with Matt Best, moved to El, El Paso. By chance, I got laterally transferred to El Paso, and we reconnected. And he's like, hey, dude, I'd love to have you on some of our videos. And it just kind of fucking took off from there. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that was a fucking wild. Yeah. I, I can't even tell you, like, uh, I think I needed it at the time, as in I was feeling a little bit of alone. I was starting to fi- feel the struggles of my transition out of the military. I was starting to realize I have issues with post-traumatic stress. I was starting to realize that I felt very alone, and I was alienating myself because mm-hmm. I got to the top of the mountain in my career where I needed to be or what I wanted to be. And I was still kind of like... Shit, I don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. And meeting those guys at that time was definitely the therapeutic value that I needed of finding a community again, finding a brotherhood, and and kind of I guess facing it together. Mm-hmm. And by chance, we did it through comedy, mm-hmm. and it just fucking kind of turned into what it is.
0: Yeah, dark comedy. Yeah, um, it, right. Like ac- ac- acute, dangerous, like borderline disrespectful almost yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. but so on the nose with the military culture.
1: Right, and yeah. it felt like. As much as we were doing it for everyone else, we were doing it for ourselves, mm-hmm. dude. Like yeah. in the end, if you look at it, like that was for us. I needed that too. I needed to be able to laugh at my own post traumatic stress. I needed to be able to laugh about my own fucking failed marriages. Yeah. I needed to be able to laugh about all this stuff because the craziest part is like how relatable was it to the rest of the dudes out there? Yeah. Right, they were overseas and mm-hmm. they were struggling over here in country. And so it was uh, as much as it was. People were like, man, it, it was. It was what
0: I needed, motherfucker. I needed it too. Yep. Yeah. Your time at Border Patrol. Um this book, uh Borderline Defending the Home Front, talks about frankly, the hardest job in America right now. Yeah. Which is being law enforcement and law enforcement on the border. Right. Um what what I mean clearly like your heart is like on your sleeve about yeah. those that serve on the border. Um why write a book right now? It was uh
1: I guess I, I felt compelled to write it because I felt that there was no no one else speaking for the Border Patrol, for the agents themselves, boots on ground. I felt like Department of Homeland Security kind of took the position of like, well, let's just not even interact with this dialogue. And that's fine, right? That's a decision they made. But for the boots on the ground, I was kind of the guy that would get text messages like, dude, it's fucking terrible down here. I don't even want to do this no more. I'm going to change careers or, or, or mental health issues. Like we're struggling with suicide. And uh, I felt like, well, fuck, I kind of have a platform. I have a little bit of a voice, and I have the experience, and I'm a writer, so maybe maybe this is my next duty, right? Like, my duty to serve this country didn't stop when I wore the uniform. I want to continue to find ways, and this was, for me, was like, well, let me tell their story through my story. And so my goal in writing this book is to hopefully explain the, the nuances of this career field that most people wouldn't even... T- take a, take a second to understand yeah. right when the, when the when the news calls them border control agents it's like you don't get it yeah. you know what i mean when you see someone in the blue uniform right the customs uniform and they call them border patrol agents like you don't get it yeah. when you see ice detention centers and you're blaming that on the border patrol again you don't fucking get it yeah. and that is all the things that our country just hasn't taken the time to understand the career field of border patrol because if they did it would be the most respected career field out there because it is the most challenging motherfucker. The duality of the career field itself is like no one gets. The humanitarian mission on top of the hum- uh, Homeland Security mission, like the two has to somehow be pleased at the same time. Yeah. So you have two arguments fighting all the time about the same fucking thing. Like we, we both want both. We both want it to happen. Yeah. And so I, I just felt like, the, the voice that I've made for myself in, in social media and with the acting and all that stuff, it has value. And if I can use that that valuable tool to to spread the message of the career field, then I will.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, breaking those things in two pockets, which I love, which is the Homeland Security mission and the humanitarian mission. Um, the men and women on the border, they are dealing with babies being thrown in the water while— A cartel member has a bundle on his back and is hopping in the river to swim across to try to make a bag of fentanyl into the interior. Um, Which one do you go after? Uh, Both of them. That one could kill tens of thousands, if not millions. And that one right there is a child that is going down in the darkness and that is going into the drink. To tell me what to do, right. and then you're going to throw a stone at the woman and the men that are making those decisions every single day, and they're being undermined by every single person in government and having thro- stones thrown at them from every single person in Congress. It is so infuriating. Yeah. Who, 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 are the lawmakers and policymakers themselves that caused the problem? Right. Exactly. Who turn around and then
1: scrutinize them for for the decision they have to make? That yeah. that the most challenging fucking job you're ever going to face. It is a law enforcement position. It's a law enforcement agency that takes a position. Of humanitarian first, that's fucking hard as it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you have to you have to decipher that daily, and then to get shit on by everyone else, it's the craziest thing.
0: Like that's why I wrote the
1: fucking book. I was yeah. so frustrated. Like, what can I do? Yeah. And so, um.
0: So with a 108 GT score, <laughs> and um, a former infantryman that then became a drill sergeant that then became a prison guard, I didn't know that you could write. Yeah. But yeah. you can fucking write. Yeah, I've been a writer for a while, man. But but to do this book was scary. It was it was terrifying. Yeah, you, you definitely put a lot out there. Yeah, a um, lot of vulnerability, a lot of transparency. Um, the things that I love to see in a book, yeah. which is like, man, I'm gonna put, I'm just gonna put it out here. Yeah, you know, judge me how you will. But there's some bravery that goes into that. And so like, I'm, my man, <laughs> I knew you're begging, beg you. Badass, bad you, but, bad you. Uh, you also know words. That's great. Like you can take <laughs> letters, and stuff. Yeah, you know, editors helped a little bit on those, you know. You no, know, it's a really, really, really well-written book. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and a, f- I mean, not even a few. Once I got past the Jocko uh, <laughs> forward, yeah. which uh, I love me some Jocko, and you're always going to get pure Jocko, yeah. and the forward is a pure Jocko. It is Jocko. It is pure Jocko. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you get in the book, and I can hear your voice. Yeah. That's what a lot of people tell me. They can, they can they can hear my voice. They can hear my heart. I couldn't help but read it in Rocco voice. That's cool. It was wild. Yeah. Knowing you and, like, being proud to call you a friend and, you know, like being a tiny little part of this a crazy successful yeah. life and journey that you've had, um, being able to, like, sit there and listen in my own head, you read your story to me as I read it. It was freaking cool. Thank you, man. And, um... I, I had the, the amazing, humbling opportunity of spending some time on the border, and I experienced only awe, like true, profound respect for two groups in particular the Texas Department of Public Safety and our Border Patrol. Yep. They were fearless, they were competent, they were professional, they were um, fierce. And uh and they cared. Yeah. It's hard to care when you have to do this every day and they care.
1: Yeah. Even when no one else gives them the, the acknowledgement they deserve, yeah. they still go. When
0: somebody work. puts on a little white dress, goes and put their hand on a sleeve uh, on, on a <laughs> fence and, and fake cries for photo op and then tries to like dog on Border Patrol in a crisis that they caused, but then the people that are still doing the work are doing the best job that they possibly can. Yeah. Like
1: It's crazy, man. It's it's the hardest fucking thing to watch because all that publicity shit is publicity shit. Like, go put on the uniform, do it for a day, yeah. and you're gonna be you're gonna have to make some decisions that that it's gonna have to stick with you as well.
0: I, I did have a question um, when you were serving on Border Patrol, and um, when did they issue you your, your whip? <laughs> yeah, no, that's not a thing. No, yeah, no, no. there's no whips. Nothing. No, I mean, like, talk about sensationalism and clickbait bullshit. Yeah, um, this is a great example, and I wish. The American population held our media media accountable, where there's a photo of, um, again, amazing, there is a caravan of tens of thousands of migrants, to include foreign nationals and terrorists and people that were known on the watch list, were all trying to come across the border at the same time, and we were using horses to try and stop them, and if you've ever used horses in any way, shape, or form in law enforcement, they're an amazing tool, they're beautiful, compassionate animals, and the reins, which are these pieces of leather that go to the to the bit, yeah. and that's what you use to direct the horse. This horse is turning, and the Border Patrol officer that's riding it is turning the horse using the rein, yeah. and it looks like or the way that they painted it was that they were taking a whip and hitting these migrants right and, and the control that it takes for him to do that in the first was like what is a crazy. professional yeah.
1: what a fucking professional man yeah and so some of the angles that looked like the reins were a whip and people who don't understand horses first of all were making comments people that don't even understand the career field were making comments okay. and then we
0: understand the mission yeah, of what was really happening here exactly this was an invasion this was an invasion of people that were being that were paying the cartels to facilitate movement into the across our border, our sovereign border, yeah. like there is a clear process for you to, to get into America yeah. or guess hmm? that is not an American white name. No. How did you get here <laughs> legally? You know, like even if you go back to an, an illegal crossing, yeah. ultimately, like my family are immigrants. I'm Irish. Yeah. like we were slaves. You know you go back five generations, six generations, there were Irish slaves, and that was my family's heritage. Yeah. So like every single one of us that is not Native American has some immigration story about how we got here. Yeah. Um, and that's a beautiful thing about America, right? But there's now a process, right? And well, not even that.
1: What I say to that as well, on top of that, is that we have invested interest in continuing to make this place better, and so we've served our country. We've continued to to invest into this country, and... I don't see that so much being the thing now. I feel like not everyone has the same ideology of that, what used to be, what my grandmother came across for, for a better life, to give her kids, and so her kids can go and serve and continue to make this place uh, a, a place where our bloodline can continue to thrive. Yeah. But that's an investment. We chose to make that investment, and I chose to invest in that as well as serve my country in both, both places, right? Yeah. And I don't know if that's the same interest that you have these days. It feels more so that, they don't care about America as much as we used to. They're more so like, let's get what I can out of America, and you can have the conversation. They, they want to go back and build homes. They want to get the money from America and take it back down south, which I get that part to send money to family and hopefully so on and so forth, but why aren't you investing in the country that you're coming here for to get yeah. the opportunities, right? Why wouldn't you want to make this the place? If you want to make this home, make it home for the future generations of your family.
0: Yeah and you can keep your culture you, yeah. you you can come here like we are the melting pot of every single race every single religion and that's like the beautiful thing about america yeah. like this this gorgeous constitution right here affords you to practice anything that you want as long as you don't affect my freedoms and uh and i love that about this place is we like come come as you are we love you but once you get here you're an american right. and uh if your priorities are anything else besides being a proud american i'm like why are you here? Right. Um, seven Special Forces Group, first active Special Forces unit as part of, uh, and I'm gonna guess say fifty percent were second generation immigrants. Yeah, like the the language was Spanish, so we had. Puerto Ricans, we had Dominicans, we have Mexicans and they were freaking amazing. Yeah. Like just like you, they were there for service. They were there to contribute to America in, in a meaningful way, make a better life for the families. You know, their, their parents or their grandparents got here and now they're like, I'm going to serve my country because this is the right thing to do. Um, h- how do we get back to service being meaningful? That's the hard thing, man, is that,
1: that the, the, Pure patriotism towards the country is being questioned these days. For from all of the kids, the generations of like watching what's happening in America and these these people who are being divisive and using their narratives to kind of make America look bad. I don't know how you change that. We we have to stop it at some point. At some point, like I know in my household, my kids understand, and I give them. You know, we believe in America. Fuck yeah. that. You know what I mean? We take our hat off to the to the pledge of allegiance and into to the to the national anthem. We stand. We, we're proud to be an American. But that's my household. You know, I don't know how many other cultures are coming to America and and hating what the flag or whatever the case. I don't understand that. That's the concern that I have now. It's like if we continue down this path, like what what happens to America at that point? That's the scary that's the scary part of it.
0: Yeah. Um we're we're in a fragile time in American history. We've uh, been at war for 20 years and on the back end of the global war on terror, whether it's Israel or Ukraine or enemies with China and Russia, um, those are all foreign problems. We have a culture problem domestically, which is way more scary to me, which is our young men and women lacking purpose and um, purpose has always been a really important thing to me, um, you know, diving into your life a little bit. It's been really inspiring to see a powerful purpose that has propelled your life, like the wind in your sails that has moved you from a variety of professions, all service oriented to fame, to now being an author, like there's still purpose. That's the wind compelling you. Where did that purpose come from?
1: I don't know, man. I, I genuinely want to make my father proud and my mother proud. And I also want to be, you know, lead from the front in the military mindset. I want my kids to be proud as well. And, you know, it's kind of like lead by example. Uh, I don't see any kind of barriers slowing me down besides myself. And so in that same sentence, like I don't fucking have a, a stopping point. My goal is to get into I know what Hollywood is. I know what the entertainment industry is. It's the biggest influencers of our time. Hands down. How can I fucking tell the stories that deserve to be told? How can I write stories like this, and TV shows about the border who help educate people who don't read books, who just sit there and take all the information on TV and say Mm -hmm. that's facts. That's what I wanna do. My mission is to continue to tell my story as an American, as a Mexican American, as a Puerto Rican American, and as well as to show like how beautiful this country is and and if you use it correctly, if if you actually have the drive you can fucking do anything you want in this world. And that's what I'm doing, hopefully for my family, for myself and
0: and for generations to come. Yeah. What is, um, like, I don't even want to ask what's next because (laughs) Uh like, um, so mine's MC, uh, huge success on television i mean like top grade show um you know you go into the internet movie database and and look at like reviews every single loves it like you walk down here every single one of these killers in these offices is like
1: dude is that Bronco
0: coming in (laughs) you know and they're like telling me all about the character i don't even have tv in my house but what i couldn't handle was like um them all just attacking me for being ignorant about one your character and two about the show yeah so like what is it like to be on just like a giant successful show like that,
1: I guess I'm spoiled because it's all I really know, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's been cool to be able to to help construct the character that I played and to help tell the narrative that I wanted to be to wanted to, to be told. Uh, my character is a veteran. My character is someone who struggles with the 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 two places that he calls home, the MC and then his veteran group, right? He It shows that he has struggles from overseas and he has to try and manage that. And eventually he chooses you know what he chooses and I won't ruin it for people who haven't watched it. But um, it's beautiful to be able to depict that in, in a place where thousands and thousands of veterans watch and waiting for someone to tell their story. Yeah. I was able to do that and that was a blessing. That was a blessing that the creator allowed me to do and, and as well as myself continue as a, I was a writer on the show as well in the last season and be able to continue to, to tell a positive story. My character, sorry to spoil it for didn't die in suicide. You know, like every other fucking Hollywood film that wants to portray a veteran. Yeah. I fucking refused to do that. I told him, I said, please don't do that to my brothers and sisters. Don't depict a veteran, same thing that everyone else does why not fucking tell a truthful story, you know, might struggle, but there's still success in there, you know? And so we were able to, to tell a story that I felt was valuable and important. And man, the, the, the message that came pouring in was, was just beautiful. And I hope to continue to do that same thing.
0: And the, uh, so of, uh, is there anybody, any, we'll do two parts, any characters on the show? Uh, so in, the motorcycle club communities uh there there is a degree of bravado there's some tough el- guy elements to it and there's also like a pecking order um uh it comes from kind of two things how long you've been in the mc yeah. and uh and also how you contribute to the mc like mm-hmm. your value added mm-hmm. um and it is a very uh, primal world And that's very accurately depicted in this, where it's like, it's raw. I mean, it's, it's, you can feel the fangs. You can feel the, 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 the violence just under the surface. You know, like it is like you're one bad sentence away from getting your teeth knocked in, you know? And uh, like, what was that? One, is there a character on the show that you couldn't beat beat their ass? That I couldn't? Yeah, you couldn't. You're kind of a badass on the show. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think,
1: I think my character was the 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 big dog in the house yeah. um in the sense of like i was kind of the brute in the club still you know in like as realistic as it would be in real life i'm kind of a brute i mean you could whoop my fucking ass <laughs> because yeah. you're a professional at this shit but in the club i was the brute you know i was the guy um at the same time it felt honest it felt real in the yeah. sense of like you might tell me I was an actor, but while we're on show with the cut on it, it felt like I was part of an MC and I fucking would die for these dudes and they would die for me. And that's that was the weirdest fucking part dude, about it. Because as much as the brain knows it's fucking fake, the body doesn't know that. Yeah. And we felt, I, I fucking would go to war with these dudes. Yeah, I mean, the method acting you where know, you're like, you look it. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> pretty freaking badass. Yeah, we went to Comic Con and we, went, we were all drinking like the first year and. Bro, we went into, I remember going into the, the urinals, and we were just fucking fired up, and I saw Jason Momoa, and I said, nice dick, dude, just like, just a fucking, I was like ready to fight, I don't know, I was like, fuck it, it's Jason Momoa, let's fucking go, Yeah. you know, and he looked at me, and everyone was like, and they were like, alright, and they fucking walked out, and they were like, what the fuck, I was like, I don't know, bro, I was just fucking <laughs> on one dog, it was like, yeah. like an platoon just trying to pick a fight, it was really weird, but yeah. I felt like. These dudes got my back. I know that for a fact, right? But everyone in there, everyone on the MC, like half these dudes been to prison for a long time, and there's this really interesting like parallel between people get out of the military get out of the military and people get out of prison. They're, they're all trying to find themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? So, we were really bonded by like just very parallel experiences in life, and then we find ourselves on set together. Wow! So it was a brotherhood bond that. Dude, I did it for six fucking years, dog. Yeah. Five years on the show, six years of filming, and I saw these guys' families go from, kids go from middle school, high school, college. Like, it was a brotherhood that it was hard to walk away from. Yeah. Like, there was tears that were shed in the last episode, and everyone, anyone who watches it, they ask me, was it real? I'm like, oh, it was 100% fucking real, dude. As much as Man. as much as the show ended, like, yeah. I, I lost a lot of me that that day, too.
0: Yeah. Um, the second part of that question. Yeah. Riders, are there any like legit riders?
1: Yeah, dude. The guy who plays uh, Hank was an avid daily rider. He didn't even own a fucking car, bro. Even when it was like storming, he had to rent a car. He was like, dude, I don't
0: even. Sport guy, sport bike guy,
1: dirt bike guy. He's a hardy guy. And he okay. rides daily. Daily, he rode to work. He was. He's a really good rider. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a couple guys that picked up bikes and started to ride more often, but I would say that they did it for the hobby of it. That dude who played the guy, the character played Hank, he's a fucking Daily Rider.
0: That's sick. He was legit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So let's circle back to the book here. Yeah. Uh, There's some heavy background to Border Patrol. uh, They're at the Olympics. Um, Obviously, they're at our border. They're at our points of entry, and you have lots of, Our points of entry, so the place that you can come into the United States, they're choke points. They're supposed to be. This is why there was supposed to be a wall, which was to force people to use our points of entry, which were the legal ways to come into the United States. If you're transporting goods um, by boat or by vehicle, there are points of entries. Our airports are points of entries. And these choke points are for us to control what comes in and out of our country it's the idea of being a sovereign nation and when you talk about sovereignty of a nation you cannot be a sovereign nation without a secure border we do not have a secure border right now um but the men and women that are trying to make it secure are our border patrol correct um the humanita- humanitarian crisis is a crisis that is called caused by our lawmakers and our administration, um, and they're just trying to deal with the consequences of bad policy. Mm-hmm. How do we f- fix this?
1: Yeah, that's it. see, I, I get this question, and it's really tough because there is no one plus one equals two answer. This is an answer of what is the correct recipe to bake this cake, right? And a lot of different things have to be an approach to fix this
0: massive fucking yeah. mess we have. So we get rid of everybody in Congress. They're, they're, I'm just kidding. Go on. We assign term limits. I think, okay, you know, I think... Um, an age limit.
1: There's yeah. a, lot, a lot of things, and just a few few points would be we have to educate uh, South America and, and the countries that they're fleeing from. we got to see why. And how can we help them improve their situation so they don't need to flee to us? Yeah. We have to educate people that are being manipulated by the, by tra- trafficking organizations. We have to address the issues with what what is uh, claiming asylum. What is asylum? You know what does that even take, right? Because when you everyone claims asylum, well that's a little frustrating because then you have to actually go through the, the process of letting a, uh, the immigration judge make a determination of that. And so why don't we have more immigration judges? Why is it taking so long? So we're, we're, there's so many answers that need to be addressed before you can fix the whole immigration issue. Um, Should th- we have a wall? Absolutely. I think uh, what, what the outside doesn't even understand, they think of it as like, oh, why would we build a wall? Well, for us boots on the ground, it actually helps us mitigating
0: some of the traffic that comes to areas that are hard to manage. Solves a humanitarian crisis as well yeah, because it, it brings, forces people to points of entry that we're able to, in a, in a civilized way, yeah. safely. Can people still legally cross? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But what they're not going to be doing is trying to cross Big Bend. Right. You know, like they're not going to be exposed and be bit by rattlesnakes and eaten by yep. cougars and yep. starving to death and literally dying from exposure because they're trying to navigate circumnavigate the, the current points of entry.
1: Yeah. Two hundred and fifty-seven people bl- died in the in the border, patrol, border in the Del Rio sector alone last year, just from the exposure in the environments and drownings attempting to come into America and being manipulated by someone to some, this is the way, and then eventually leaving them
0: hanging and left them fucking to die in the exposure of the, the environment. You down to like the Rio Grande Valley, yeah. completely different environment, yeah. completely different problem sets. Uh, but then you go one degree in and you find cartels. Yeah. You've seen cartels manipulating people for trafficking purposes, both human trafficking, um, sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. If you're able to deal in human suffering in one form of currency, you're fully satisfied to kill, to deal in any other form of human suffering. So, like, if you're going to traffic somebody for sex, you're going to also just traffic that person to traffic that person. No. If you're trafficking people, you'll happily sell drugs. If you're happily selling drugs, you'll also sell guns. If you're happily selling guns, you'll also bring a foreign national terrorist on the watch list across the border for a few extra dimes. Right. Like... I want to give these people tools. And they have had tools taken from them over the past three years. Um, Do you think America's understanding of this career, could really benefit, not just recruiting, not just retention, not just the mental health, but also the tools that they have access to.
1: Absolutely, I think when people really start to understand the career field, they'll have more respect for it and they'll understand how we can support them more. I think you'll get more people voting in a way that would support the Border Patrol's mission. Right, we ha we, we, we don't even help our veterans still, right? We're no. still struggling to help veterans, but like right now the border patrol is to me is the most important mission that we have that we need to fulfill. Uh we are having problems fulfilling just jobs. We're having problems getting support to the border. Uh and so if we can get people just to understand that, at least that's a foundation to start with the American people to say, Oh, I get what they're doing and damn, we need that job.
0: Yeah. Um there is a Recruiting and retention problem. Yeah. There's also, I'm not going to say an identity problem because the men and women in Border Patrol that are serving definitely know why they're there. Um, I'll I'll say that there's this morale. There's a morale problem. Absolutely. Uh, And I have my own opinions about why it exists. Uh, what, what I see is a bunch of amazing Americans trying to do their best with a shitty hand that th- they've been dealt. But how do we fix the recruiting, retention, morale problem that is in Border Patrol right now? Yeah, I think... Uh, the
1: and you talk about all of this yeah, in this book. Yeah, I do, I do. You know, and, I uh, think, Yeah, what I find interesting is that, like, a lot of people in the military don't understand what exists in the Border Patrol. They don't yeah. understand the pay. They don't understand the special operations units, right? Most special operations dudes don't know what to do after service. Yeah. Go to BorTak. to fucking BorTac. Go to fucking Borstar. Yeah. It'll be the fucking best time of your life and you'll be doing a fucking
0: serious goddamn mission here. Go, you're on a Halo team? Yeah. Go to Bor you go to Border Patrol and yeah. go to BorTac. Go to BorTac. Cool. You're a sniper? Yep. Awesome. Go to Border Patrol, yep. go to Bortac. Yep. Cool. You were uh Fry's jump master, fast roper. Cool. Fan fantastic. Yeah. Go to Border Patrol, go to BorTac. Yep. Um go to the selection. Some of the best incredibly skilled operators on the planet uh, coming from a variety of special operations and special missions unit yeah are now sitting in border patrol bortac bortac
1: and borstar those are the two top dogs right now and bortac is is the fucking man and the bor uh, bortac is the man but borstar is their medics yeah Bro, you're talking some of the dopest motherfuckers. The 68
0: pool. whiskeys, 18 deltas. Yep. you like, if you are yep. a medic in any way, shape, or form within the military, and you're like, hey, what am I going to do after this? Do I want to go to PA school? Do I want to go be an EMT? Do like, you want to fucking save lives? Yeah. In, in like rad, exciting, compelling ways. Yeah. I've done it, Swiftwater
1: Rescue right there on the border. No one even knows it exists. Yeah. Swiftwater Rescue on the fucking border. You wouldn't even think it. Homie, I've been on a ranch where the fucking water's up to my fucking throat and fucking people are getting pulled off, I'm pulled off of semi trucks. Yeah, dude. There's shit to be done on the border that is fucking incredible. Long line rescues, fast rope rescue. I mean, the, I mean, the list goes on. Austere medics. I mean, there's so much shit going on on the border that if you're in the military and you're looking for what to do next, fucking look into border patrol. If you're in law enforcement, and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to do this, and like, but I'd be interested in doing something a little different. Look at the fucking border patrol. If you're an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid, they're like, what do I do next? I want to serve my country. I don't want to join the military so much. Join the fucking border patrol,
0: yeah. dude. You speak French or Spanish. To go to the border patrol. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty pretty rad pay incentives too. Yeah, they pay, uh, they pay well. They pay good. They pay better than most law enforcement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, politically, i th- I think some second and third order effects, uh, both on retention, recruitment, and morale, have been byproducts of failed policy at the executive level. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot we can do about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have served under Bush, I've served under Obama, I've served under Trump, and I now serve under Biden. Um, I have had the ability to drop the biggest bomb that is currently in our arsenal that is not nuclear, and we have had our wings clipped and our ammo forecasts destroyed to nearly next to nothing um, in the the span of 18 years within, within the military. It's no different in law enforcement you have great moments you have blm defund the police movements you have the war on drugs you have miami vice you know like the but the riot is so rad because the people that you're serving with are the most amazing humans on the planet absolutely and those people are in border patrol yeah so borderline defending the home front it's uh It's a beautiful book. It's an amazing book. It's a well written book. Um, Vincent Rocco Vargas. (laughs) uh, I actually had to, uh, like, I've never even known your full name. And for like, I don't know, maybe like (laughs) the past year, I was like, oh, he has more than just Rocco. (laughs) I know a lot of people do that. (laughs) For real, though. I mean, like, for. 15 years it's (laughs) almost just been Rocco (laughs) and you're still just saved in my phone as Rocco and like I will not ever add Vincent to your name (laughs) I'm just not going to be capable of it um I appreciate you man I uh appreciate your heart and uh Jocko Publishing yes it's his first imprint of his uh publishing company pretty sick yeah pretty dope um Everything that guy does is for a pretty powerful, compelling reason, and I don't i don't think your book is any different. Thank you. So it's a, it's a great book. Please go and get this book. It comes out November 14th, uh, Borderline Defending the Homefront by Vincent Rocco Vargas. Uh, the story of Border Patrol, the story of his time in the Ranger Regiment, um, all of these things kind of go back to this amazing man serving this country. But this story is a story I want everybody to read, and more importantly, I want them to tell everyone else about it, so then they can go and buy this book. Um, it's a great book. Thank you. Thank you to all the men and women in uniform that uh, that serve their country, both on our border and in our military and in law enforcement. You guys are the best, brightest, and uh, we don't deserve you. Thank you for your selfless sacrifice, my friend. Thank, thank you. you for uh, coming down to Austin. Um, hopefully, you make your flight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right,
1: I gotta go. Yeah. And thank uh, you so much. We'll see you soon. Yeah appreciate it.